0: Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org welcome everybody it's so nice to see you what an awesome sunday we have had up to this point fantastic worship so much energy in the room wow what a beautiful sunday greetings to those of you watching online wherever you are it is always a joy for us to experience this alongside all of you thank you for all your interactions thank you for being a part Um, of this. I got great news for you. Pastor Neil will be back in the pulpit next Sunday. Listen, three weeks off for him him means he's going to bring something special next Sunday, and you don't want to miss it, so we look forward to uh, his return. So thankful that he had the opportunity to find some rest and relaxation, and he's probably watching this morning. Neil, we love you. We're so thankful for you, and we all can't wait until your Um, So I got a question for you. Have you ever had uh, a little trivia where you ask, you know, someone asks you and your spouse a question to see what those answers uh, would be? So like the question that I asked Crystal and I answered myself is what is a summer like? Uh, in Minnesota, in, in a picture. You have to answer with a picture. And this was her answer for me. When she thinks of Amos summer in Minnesota, this would be the picture. That's right, the cabin. I'm learning, right? Everyone's got a cabin somewhere in Minnesota, and you just look forward to these nights. This is, she knows me well. And then when it came to me answering the question for her, this was my answer. She, yeah, she loves to barbecue. Yeah, I got them backwards, of course. <laughs> Yeah, she loves the relaxation, the cabin, this is, for me, this is a summer night, whether you're in Minnesota or Colorado or anywhere, as long as this is happening, this is always a good time. But she did answer the rest of these questions with a picture. I asked her, what does joy look like? This was her response. Absolutely, that looks absolutely joyful, right? I asked, what does pain look like? Pretty painful right? What does living life look like? They say you are not living until you are grandparenting. Is that true for all you grandparents out there? Is that when like real life starts? If you believe that, let's hear you clap for real. Like if you think that's when real life gets started, I'll wait as long as possible until those moments. Uh, Okay, question for all of you. Question for all of you. What picture comes to mind when it comes to this question? Ready? What does faith look like? What does faith look like? See, throughout the book of Luke, Jesus has been very intentional to paint pictures for us and his disciples of what faith looks like. So here's just a few examples over the last... Few weeks here for us at Cedar Valley. Here's some pictures that we've worked through. We've worked through that picture of trusting God. Remember, if you say so, lowering the nets in the middle of the day, right? Faith in that moment looked like trusting God. Remember the story of the of the sinful woman in the alabaster box, the the feet washing with the hair. That that was a picture of hospitality, right? Jesus says that there was no hospitality. What a picture of our faith when 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 we, when we show hospitality or true greatness. Remember that. It's disciples arguing about who is greater, and Jesus talked about the posture, you remember the posture of greatness, uh, and, then, and then we had the story of the Good Samaritan, the loving neighbor, he paints this picture of faith looks like being a loving neighbor, remember that story, and then, and then the story that Jesus paints of the narrow door, right, the door, the door is unlocked, the door will be closed, and the door is Jesus Jesus paints this picture remember remember Neil actually painted right he he painted three different colors of grace and truth and Jesus being the complete of both of those things remember that in the story uh, of, of the of the two sons and then, and then the dishonest rascal. This picture, this beautiful picture, where, where 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 Jesus encourages us to use our our adversity, right? Use our adversity to stimulate creative thinking. What a picture he painted last week, which, by the way, didn't Pastor Hillary just absolutely crush that last Sunday? We are so thankful for you, Hillary. Out of girl, proud of you. We love you. Great job. Last week she taught about resources, the time, talent, treasures, and this picture of the rich man and Lazarus, this reversal of fortunes. These, these are all pictures of faith, right? These are all pictures how we can live out um, our faith. There's no question, we can see clearly here in the book of Luke, that Jesus' intention is to teach and model faith. Jesus' intention clearly in the book of Luke is to teach and model what faith looks like, right? His disciples are with him. He is preparing his disciples, and it is important to him that they understand that there are so many different kinds of pictures when it comes to faith. So many different elements, so many different ways to honor God in your life, in the way you live um, your life. And so uh, today we're going we're gonna to continue. We're going to see another picture of faith that Jesus demonstrates for us. Uh, this is not a parable. This is a true story. Disciples in the front row ready to see this whole thing unfold so I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet this morning as we prepare to read our primary text and if you're visiting with us for the first time and every time Neil does this when Hillary did this last week I always wonder those who attend this church regularly they probably have this so memorized right say it with me if you know this we don't do this every week this up and down up and down thing right we just do this for the primary text just to honor God's authority this is God speaking to us And everyone who attends that church, Cedar Valley, says a big amen. Amen. All right, Luke 17, verse 11, says this. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the wonderful opportunity and privilege we have to gather together with other believers, people from within this community to worship your name, to praise your name. Lord, we recognize that this moment is all about you. And I know that there is praying mothers sitting next to children that they have invited to come and they're sitting next to them with great anticipation. Father, there are those sitting among us today with disease in their body or with burdens on their shoulders, God, and they just come with expectation, God, that you are going to show up in their life. And we thank you, Father, for all the stories represented in this room, God, stories of transformation, God. We thank you for all the stories to come from people in this room, God, addictions to be broken, God, all the great things that you will do in us, Father. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the moment that we will share together in your word right now in Jesus name and everyone together said amen Amen. you may be seated I always enjoy when I get a subject where I feel like the bullseye of what we're trying to communicate is so obvious like it doesn't take much work to realize what we are going to pull from this and apply to our life. And it's also great to know that when you come to church, we try to do our very best to help you find that thing that we can all apply to our life. You're going to leave today with, with, with an opportunity to, to, to apply something very practical that can make a humongous difference in your life, regardless of where you find yourself today, God has something very specific for each and every one of you. And I'm telling you, we will all be better for it. So we're just going to kind of start and work our way through our passage, starting with verse 11. It said this, and Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria so it's just important to know Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem he's been right he's predicted his death somewhere in chapter nine he said I'm you know headed out to Jerusalem he'll arrive there in chapter 19 but those 10 chapters in between 9 and 19 are so awesome They paint beautiful pictures of what our faith should look like. And there's no question, this is in Jesus' mind as his disciples are with him, as he prepares for his death, as he prepares the disciples to go out into the world, that he helps them understand their faith, how to live out their faith. And I get the idea that there are people in this room this morning who need help living out our faith. We just say, singing Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets. We need help living out our faith. And God has already given us great examples of how we can live out our faith. And another great example comes um, today. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. So let me just show you a picture of what this would actually look like. So Jesus is somewhere over here. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? He was raised in Nazareth, but his ministry is based out of Capernaum. They called it Sea Town. His ministry is in Capernaum, Sea Town, right over here. He's on his way down to Jerusalem. So he put it in his GPS, like, how can I get down to Jerusalem like you would do if you were headed to some place? And it gave him three routes. Everybody goes with fastest route, right? Jesus went with fastest route, which is this white route right down the middle. But most Jews, probably all Jews, would take one of the other two routes. You know why? They absolutely hated Samaria and Samaritans. They did not like Samaritans, right? We'll find out a little bit uh, why they have such a deep hatred towards, uh, towards the Samaritans, but not Jesus. Jesus wanted to go right through Samaria. Now listen, Samaria is sort of like South Side Chicago, dangerous. Like you don't want to go through, you go around South Side Chicago. You, Jesus is like, I'm going right through Samaria on purpose. I've got work to do in Samaria. Hey disciples, we're going through Samaria. That's about a three day trip to go right through Samaria to get to Jerusalem. The red route, which is the most frequent route, was about a five-day trip. Most people would choose that route, by the way. This had like sidewalks for your bikes, right? This was like a, a, a dirt path, but five days, but safer. And then you've got like the coast, like that highway in California, the one I think it's called, right next to the water. You can take the water out seven to nine days, you know, but you got the scenery, it's safe, right? Jesus is like, nope, we're going right through the hood, right? So the next verse, is, is this, chapter 17, verse 12. And he entered a village there. Ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. All right, so the moment he walks into this village, there are men who see him. Now, when, he, when the Bible says stood at a distance, it was, it, it, so it was 100 paces of distance, which to me would be about 300 feet. I think every pace is about three feet or so. So from this pulpit to that door is 25 paces. I did it this morning, 25 paces. So that's a quarter of the distance that, people with leprosy in this colony had to stand away from anybody not just Jesus they had to stand at a hundred paces distance and they had to announce if you got close hey just so you know I've got leprosy they had to do that so Jesus enters the village and I would guess somewhere in the deepest end of the atrium as soon as they see Jesus they began to shout, right? But, but it's important that we know they were looking at the gateway, like they were looking to see who's coming in. They had to stand far away, but they would notice when someone came in and out, they were always looking to see. And, and by the way, everyone knew who Jesus was at this time. He had grown in popularity. There was all this buzz going on about Jesus and the great things he had done, the miracle he has done, the water that he had been stirring up with the, with, with, with the Pharisees and the Jews and just all this. They knew who Jesus was. They knew who was coming next verse says they were crying out Jesus master have mercy on us listen they're looking out and the moment they say Jesus this is what they start to do crying out Jesus Jesus Master, have mercy on us. Listen, they had to talk like that. They were 300 feet away. I'm not just yelling to entertain you. I'm I'm just trying to give you like a real story, right? So you, for just a moment, pretend someone that you need attention from is 300 feet away and on the count of three, you're gonna call out to them by just saying the word, hey, one, two, three. You got their attention. They just stopped in their tracks like Jesus did and said, Whoa, 10 people filled with leprosy are calling out to me. But they're not just calling out to me, they are crying. Now, it's important that you know this. Leprosy was a disease that Jews assumed to be inflicted for punishment of sin. So, you know, self-righteousness, they're saying, oh, you must have done something real bad for you to have that disease. Or secondly, a mark of God's displeasure in somebody. Like, man, God is absolutely not pleased with you. As a result of that, he just gave you leprosy, which we know is not true. But that's what they believe. Secondly, they address him as teacher. Now listen, that's what the disciples addressed him as, teacher, rabbi, right? They, they address him as master, meaning teacher. That's what the disciples addressed him as. They knew who Jesus was and they'd heard about Jesus, but they do realize that because it is Jesus, that their only hope for healing was his mercy, not their worthiness. They were desperate. They were desperate. They had been like this a long, long time. So so much so that they were bonded by their misery. It's so funny to me how Jews and Samaritans, Jews hated Samaritans bad, but if both had leprosy, they were a community. Like if you had leprosy and you were a Jew, it didn't matter to you. If a Samaritan had leprosy, you and him were tight. Your community, they forgot about the Jew Samaritan talk and remembered only that they had great need. Now, leprosy, for those who may not know, and it's not like I just knew this. I had to go and look like what is leprosy, right? Leprosy attacks nerve endings, right? So so little by little, you can start to lose, you know, fingers, toes. Don't email me if I'm not nailing exactly what leprosy is, but it wasn't a good thing. I'm sure that it was lots of pain, lots of suffering. And if you had been like that a long time, you too would cry when you see Jesus, the one capable of healing a disease like that. So when they see Jesus, 300 feet away, they lose all sense of their dignity, completely desperate. And they begin to scream, Jesus, and they start crying, have mercy on us. Please have mercy on us. When they screamed out, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. That was his response. No conversation, no setup. Who's your mom? Who's your dad? Where do you come from? When were you born? How long have you been like this? Have you tried other possible remedies? What, have you taken any medicines? How's life been for you? Do you have children? None of that. No conversation. They are separated by 300 feet, 100 paces. They are crying out to Jesus in utter desperation. And Jesus responds with a loud yell back to them. Go show yourselves to the priest. Now it's important that you just know this, that they had to go to the priest. So if you had leprosy and you were cleansed of your leprosy, you would have to go find not a priest, just any priest. And that priest would give you an inspection, kind of like when you go to your 40 year checkup at the doctor's office and he says, I'm gonna step out for a moment. When I come back in, have nothing on. And he walks in and you're just like, and he's like, spread them. That inspection, that's what the priest does. The priest is like, Check you out, check you out, turn around, cough, no leprosy, you're good to go. And then he kind of fills out a little piece of paper saying, you are now welcome back in society. No more distance keeping, no more yelling, you have leprosy, you're good to go. And I'm sure they would all go back to their families like, I've been cleansed, I've been cleansed, I've been cleansed. So it's important that you know the reason why Jesus is sending them to the priests is because he knows they have to be cleared by the priest in order for them to go back to uh, their their society. But why is he sending them to the priest if they still have leprosy? Oh, that's the step of faith that Jesus this requires sometimes from us. We pray out in utter desperation prayers. He responds to us and you're like, well, it's not fixed yet. He says, you just got to get going, like one step in front of another. Let me just pause for a moment and say, if God is speaking to you something that you don't yet see, don't think he's not answering. Just put one step in front of the other. On the way, something really special happened to each of these 10 that had leprosy. I'll show you exactly what it is. And as they went, as they obeyed, Jesus' response, as they obeyed, they were cleansed of their leprosy. They were cleansed of their leprosy as they responded. Evidently, they believed completely in Jesus' healing power. It's evident with their response. Without further question, there they go on their way as Jesus commanded them to do so. Now, they look at their skin that was all ripped up and filled with boils. All of a sudden, they're walking. Their skin begins to repair. Years of years of infection, supernaturally, they are healed. The cracks, the bleeding, the pain, all of it is gone as they are on their way, stepping out in faith. I can just imagine they're on their way to the priest, and I'm sorry, cameraman, for this, but they're on their way to the to, to the priest, and they're like, oh, whoa, loose skin. Check that out. Oh, a boil just fell. My fingers back. Yes, Alton. I mean, that's gotta be what if you had leprosy for a long time and Jesus said, go walk to the priest. And as you're walking to the priest, all your disease, all your infection, all your cracked skin, your missing fingers, missing toes, all those things began to fix and heal themselves. How would you respond? I'm sure they were loud. I'm sure they were like, dude, look, this is awesome. Maybe not. That's how I would respond if I saw one of my fingers growing back on my hands. But the story kind of takes a downfall. Of the 10, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus. One of them. One of 10 is 10%. That's not a high percentage. Only 10%, only one of the 10 who received this unbelievable miracle, they all cried out to Jesus, but one noticed the healer. The power, the healer, the source, the healer, one stopped in his tracks. Listen, they were all on their way. And as they found themselves healed, nine continued because they needed that card. They needed the medical card, the release back into society. That's what they began to fixate on. I just can't wait to go back to my life. Baby, I'm coming home. They pulled out the phone and said, Guess what? I'm healed. I'm coming back. Get the boat ready. Get the fishing rods ready. We are going up north to the cabin. I'm done, cleansed, healed. And that's all they worried about. They were fixated on the healing. But one of them stopped and realized. It was the healer's doing. One of them stopped and said, I don't care about the card. I want to go back and express my gratitude to the healer of my disease. He knows my heart, and I want to go back and express myself to him. One of the ten came back. Just one in that moment, the highest priority to that one was thankfulness for the miracle. As a matter of fact, when he turned around and came back, the Bible says he came back shouting, shouting, praise God, praise God in the message. The translation says shouting his gratitude. He was shouting his gratitude. What does that look like? Yeah! I'm healed, yes, boy, Jesus, yeah, that's what's up, whoa, I've been like this for 10 years, oh my gosh, you did it, Jesus, you did it, you get the credit, thank you, and then he probably went to tears, oh, thank you, I don't know how to express. I've been away from my family for so long, oh my gosh, I thought I would die like this. And he probably started crying, and then the Bible goes on to say that oh, he fell at the feet of Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. Oh, by the way, this man was a Samaritan. Remember, Jesus went to this group of people on purpose. The Samaritans were half-breeds. When the Assyrians came into northern Israel and took captive the people, not all people went. Not all people were taken. Those people began marrying in with the Assyrians Well, that generation became the Samaritans, the half-breeds, the dogs, right? They were mixed. They they were hated. The Jews were the chosen people. Not the Samaritans. Yet, it's the Samaritan, the one who's most unlikely to come back and express gratitude. He's the one that actually comes back. And and the thanking here, that's the same word. When Jesus is having supper with his disciples, the night when he's betrayed, he breaks bread, and he thanks God for it. He says, this is my body broken for you. That, that thank you, God, for this bread, thank you for this body, is the same thank you that this Samaritan had at the feet of Jesus. Which means this is like the foundation, like when, when, we, when, you know, when we talk about the Eucharist, the, the communion, this is the basis for it. It's that sense of deep gratitude, this sincere thank you for what you've done in me. It shows us this Samaritan stops in his tracks and says, that was Jesus who healed me. And that's mo- it's so important that I stop now and go back and fall at his feet with a deep sense of gratitude and express that to him. I love how it says he was shouting his gratitude, shouting, listen, I get it. I'm not from this place. I try to be like Minnesota, but I'm, I can't help. I'm not stoic like (laughs) y'all. To me, shouting's normal for you. It's like, I got to process that before I shout. Can I process that? I'm going to step outside of a box. I like living in. You just call that box a cabin. The Samaritan was filled, overjoyed. He could care less what he looked like or felt like or sounded like. There are moments where God does something in you, where you have to express yourself outside of the norm. Outside, listen, what a moment we have on Sunday mornings to gather together and express our gratitude to God for the things that he has done. We often take a look at all the things going wrong in our life, and we fail to look at all the things God is doing in our life every single day. Gratitude is an awesome way to live out your faith. Listen, the disciples were sitting in front row for this whole thing. They saw this whole thing right in front of their face, Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10? There's one guy at his feet wailing. He looks at his disciples and says, wait, wasn't there 10? There was 10 of them, right? There was 10 of those guys, right? Where are the other nine? Jesus was absolutely taken by their lack of gratitude. It mattered to him. And I'll just say this politely. It matters to him that you express your gratitude to him. And when you don't, he notices. Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Nobody? One? He was taken back by that. He was absolutely displeased with the nine who did not return to give thanks. And he took notice. Verse 19 goes on to say, Jesus said to the man at his feet, wailing gratitude, he said, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. It's in another translation, the N-R-S-V. I love how it says this. Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. See, the disciples were sitting front row to see this whole story unfold. This wasn't a story Jesus was telling. This was a story Jesus was living. Jesus gave all 10 lepers a chance to do the right thing. The reason the nine failed is not because they were not chosen people, they were chosen. They failed because their hearts were not right. The Samaritan succeeded not because he was chosen because he wasn't, but because his heart was right. It was his heart that was right. See, the story teaches that people and listen closely to this, people who Jesus delivers and who believe in Him have an obligation to express their gratitude to Him for what He has done for them. We have an obligation to express our gratitude for what he has done for us as followers of Christ. It's another picture of faith. This is how we live out our faith. Another way to live out your faith is to express gratitude. Jesus' emotional response to the ingratitude of the nine lepers gives us a glimpse into the heart of God. Jesus was so disappointed that only one, only one cared enough to express his gratitude. No story in all the Gospels so strikingly shows man's ingratitude like the story of the lepers in Luke 17. The lepers came to Jesus with desperate longing, desperate longing. He cured them, did exactly what they asked for, and nine never came back to give thanks. So often, once a man or a woman or a young adult or a youth, so often once a man has got what he wants, he never comes back. And sadly, that's true of many of us. When we need Him most, utter desperation. When we get what we want, never come back. This big so what, I hope, stains your brain. An attitude of gratitude purifies us and pleases God. Gratitude purifies us. He said to that Samaritan, get up. Your faith has made you well. Maybe the other nine who still were healed had sick hearts. But this man, salvation, you are now whole inside as well. You got it. You got it. Our gratitude has an ability to purify us from the inside out. And when we express gratitude, it also pleases God. I love this verse. It is good to give thanks. It's good. It's good for you. It is so good for you, your soul. It is good to give thanks to the Lord to sing praises to the Most High. It is good when you're driving on the road and you turn up the song and you sing along. It is good for you. He hears you and it pleases Him. It pleases Him when you sing praises to Him and it's good for you as well. It purifies you when you just turn the music off and you just begin to list off all the things you're grateful for. He's listening to you. It's good for you and it pleases Him. It is good to proclaim, proclaim, shout loudly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, thank you. Proclaim, declare, shout, whisper, sing, write, express. It is good to do that. Your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, to wake up with a grateful heart, to go to sleep with a grateful heart. It is good for you, it is good for you. It pleases Him, but it is good for you. It's good for your heart, it's good for your soul. As believers in Christ, it is good for us to express our gratitude to Jesus. So our big now what? I'm gonna call you to action. I'm gonna ask you about this. I'm gonna ask you about this, you're gonna ask each other about this. You're gonna go out this week and you're gonna buy a journal and you're gonna call it My Gratitude Journal. You're gonna do this. You thought it was summertime, no assignments. You're wrong, this is summer school right now. You're gonna go out and you're gonna find a journal and you're gonna call it My Gratitude Journal. And every day you're gonna put a few entries in there of what you're grateful for. Let me tell you why. I was researching and I read some things from a neuroscience named Glenn Fox. Neuroscientist named Glenn Fox. He's dedicated his whole life to the study of gratitude. Here's what he said. The practice of gratitude improves our resilience, lowers stress, reduces pain, and even improves our immune system. It lowers blood pressure, which mine's a little elevated with all the shenanigans on the platform this morning. (laughs) Improves heart function and boasts overall health. Gratitude. Like today, Dr. Olivadis is prescribing you 90 days worth of gratitude pills. (laughs) And you can pick them up in the lobby today at the KB wall. Grateful people tend to recover faster from trauma or injury. Grateful people tend to have better and closer personal relationships. Does gratitude take away the pain? No, it does not. Does it change the circumstances? No, it does not. Most of the time, it absolutely does not. But we know that gratitude is not a synonym for happiness. Gratitude does not take away the pain, but it gives you perspective for the pain. And that's Jesus. It's stopping and making it a point to come to Jesus and to express your gratitude. Once again, an attitude of gratitude purifies us, And pleases Him. Gratitude. Say to yourself the word gratitude. Do you need more of it in your life? Do you know that this is one way to live out your faith? This is part of your prayer life. This is part of your spiritual development. To develop a heart of gratitude. To stop and point out the things in your life God has done for you. write them down they even say you can write a long letter of gratitude you don't even have to send it in the mail just writing it gives you all the benefits just writing it down gives you all the benefits don't cheat the system and go to your notes app in your phone and think that's my attitude my gratitude journal go buy a journal write it down express it send it write letters whatever cards gratitude it purifies your heart And it pleases God. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I'm going to invite our prayer team to come down at this time. Because I just know that there's going to be some of you who say, I need to pray this out with somebody. But I hope more than anything, you've been inspired to live with an attitude of gratitude. My goal was that you would drive home today saying... I need to do that. I can feel the difference in my life when I'm living outside of a grateful heart. So if you're here and you would say, I, I do, I wanna, I wanna pray that through with somebody. I'm gonna need help with that. It's not gonna be the easiest thing for me to do. I totally understand that there's real life situations happening, happening in all of our lives. It's real, not to minimize it at all. But gratitude, there's just something about gratitude. There's just something about gratitude. It won't change your circumstance, but it'll give you a new perspective on it. And that's what we need. That's what we need. Embrace this. Embrace this idea of gratitude. I want this to become part of the fabric and culture of this church we express our gratefulness to each other, to God, because it purifies our hearts and it pleases Him. Gratitude, we need this in our lives. We need this, everybody in this room. Grandparents, you're elderly, your body hurts, joints ache. You need gratefulness in your life. Young adults, youth, in a world filled with all these ideas on how you should be living your life, don't lose sight of an attitude of gratitude and all the people investing in your life, parents, people just getting married, just having children, whatever station in life you are, gratitude. What it can do for you is unbelievable. So if that's you, at the end of my prayer, feel free to come up, they'd love to pray with you. Also, if you are a guest this morning, we'd love to meet you. If you'll just go through those double doors there, our team is there ready to shower you with with love and welcome you to our church. If you wanna taste the manna packets, you wanna see what's happening with this venture thing that we showed this morning, the KB wall, there are people there to answer your questions. Those of you watching online this morning, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, We have an online host. One of our pastors is up there. If you need help, if there's a way we can pray with you or do anything for you, please let them know. We will respond. You guys are awesome. This is good for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for for what you have brought to the surface for us here today. Thank you that that, uh, we have the ability to express our gratitude for the things that you've done in our lives forgive us, forgive us for overlooking so many things you've done for us. Forgive us for our lack of gratitude. We see in this story that it was displeasing to you. You were taken by it. You noticed the nine who did not express gratitude. And God, that has been me more often than than, than not. And so God, I ask for forgiveness for that I ask you for forgiveness. And God, I pray that you would give me, give us an attitude of gratitude because it purifies us and it pleases you. And that's what we wanna do. We wanna live out our faith in a world, in a community where it's needed, God. Let them see in our hearts of gratitude, Jesus, Jesus, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' precious name together. And we all said, amen.